and welcome to EG's Tech Talk Radio podcast with me, EG editor Sam McClary. Now, contrary to popular belief, today I am going to be smart, or at least this podcast is going to be smart. We're going to be discussing what smart really means and why it's not really about the tech, but about the outcome. What am I talking about? Well, today joining me on the podcast is President and EMEA MD of Widescore, William Newton, and British Land's Head of Strategy, Digital and Technology, Sally Jones. Widescore has today launched SmartScore, a new certification that's developed in response to increasing demand for guidance around what smart really means in relation to commercial buildings and how it can and should be implemented. Wildscore hopes that the certification, which aligns with BRIAM Lead Reset and Well certifications, will provide credibility and certainty to an industry rapidly pursuing digital transformation. British Land is one of 44 property owners that have signed up to the certification, which has been developed collaboratively, collaboratively that's hard to say, across the industry with Wildscore. So here, over the next 30 minutes or so, we talk about why it really matters and how the future of real estate is indeed smart. Here we are for a very special, very smart episode of the EG Property Podcast. And I'm joined with two of the smartest people I know in real estate, uh, the wonderful William Newton from Wildscore and Sally Jones from British Land. Hello, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Do- oh, welcome back. You've both been on it many times before. Welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing on this now sunny spring-like month that we are in? Sally, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fantastic. Thank you very much. And I'm all the better for, as we spoke before, as having been to the pub and having had a haircut. <laughs> life is life is so much better with a nice haircut and a pint inside you. Exactly. <laughs> William, how are you? I'm incredibly well. Uh, it's wonderful to be here on this uh, very sunny day. Uh, I'm feeling like the country is coming uh, into its very own spring. Excellent. Excellent. Now, we're, we're here talking today um, because... Uh, at Wildscore, you have just launched um, a, a new certification, a smart score, um, which is going to, we hope anyway, sort of help the, the real estate community in this transition towards smart buildings. And and I guess the place to start for any um, anyone out there who is thinking, what are they talking about, is, is what, does, what does a smart building really mean? It's not a building that just looks nice is it it's uh it's more than that what what does smart mean to to you william well to anyone who's out there who's wondering what smart means that's exactly why we've we've launched smart score um i think the conversations that i've taken part in um over the last five years in the industry has shown me pretty clearly that there is no such thing as a consensus on what smart means um and over that period of time we've spoken to Lots and lots of our landlord clients who've asked us to sort of try and bring a light on this area. So um, we've spent the last year intensively talking to the Wildscore Smart Council about this exact question and trying to get to, to the rub um, of, of what smart means to the industry. The difficulty is people talk at very different levels. Some people talk about the trends that are leading to smart. Other people talk about the things that smart can deliver. Other people think talk about the technologies that you need to make a building smart. Um, but none of them were really coming at it in a, in a way that brought together 
what we thought to be the most important thing, which is to focus um, on the end users of the building and to focus on the outcomes that are delivered to them. So we say that a smart building is one that delivers outstanding outcomes for all users through digital technology to exceed their evolving expectations. So to just unpack that a little bit, um, technology and smart shouldn't be about the number of silicon chips you've got per square foot of building. It should be about um, outcomes that are actually delivered to the users who want them. And for too long, this debate has been dominated by technologists who really want to focus on, on the inputs. But the inputs aren't what matter um, in either real estate or really in anything in life. It's the outcomes that are delivered. So, so we're trying to get everyone in the industry to orient themselves around users and around outcomes. Fantastic. Right. Thanks, William. And if people could see the podcast, they would have seen Sally nodding there, as, uh, as William said, for too long. It, uh, Smart has been about um, input. Um, Sally, for you as, as as British land, is that is the, the output and what Smart means for your occupiers the, the most important important thing when it comes to smart? Well, ultimately, it has to be, of course, because they're the people who uh, rent the buildings and uh, and uh, give us income. So absolutely. And it was, uh, you know, we've been working with Wirescord for a while and um, we were very keen. In fact, I don't know if we were one of the first people. We were really encouraging them to extend um, the connectivity standard into sorry, that's my computer making a noise, into um, into the smart arena because we really felt that um, they could use their own credentials and their network to create standards and understanding across real estate. But just to kind of, um, just to um, expand on what William said is that we spent a long time trying to write a document internally that would bring people internally on board and in fact when we saw the document they produced we were actually said damn they've done a much better job than us <laughs> because actually it was all centered around the user and that's when that's uh, it really makes sense to people inside our business when they say why are you asking me to spend all this money what's it for so that user centric I think really brought it to life and I think it allows you to focus on the things that are really important because you can go a bit wild really and you can do all sorts of fancy schmancy stuff, which is expensive and um, it's very complicated. Um, and um, yeah, so I, I think this user centric approach that they've taken is really, really important. If that's answered your question. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, there is there is a lot of great tech out there, isn't there? That, yeah. You know, if you are if you're a um, developer or property owner with really deep pockets you can throw it all at your building and have the smartest building in in the world but if that doesn't operate well for your users then is it really smart I suppose is is the big question it might be expensive and shiny and have lots of bells and whistles but if nobody wants to blow that whistle or or ding that <laughs> ding that bell then uh, then is is it really smart yeah, I mean, I think the interesting thing from our point of view is that um, in some ways our where we have co-investors, they've been our our kind of, I guess, the thing we've tested our ideas against because they've said, well, why do we want to invest all this money? You know, so and uh, so if you're a, um, a, an, a, an owner who's got deep pockets, uh, I think you can without that outside person testing you against what you're spending. You can throw an awful lot of money at something. We've had to end up being really, really practical about how we approach things because we co-invest with GIC 
at Broadgate and as we thought about 100 Liverpool Street, they've been great at kind of testing us all the time as to why we're doing X and Y. Mm, fantastic. And, and will the certification, William, help with that testing as well? Just saying, you know, do you really need to do this? Is this the right thing to do? Here are some some guidelines to, to help you on that journey. Yeah, I, I think everyone speaking with the same language about what SMART really means allows for a much better set of informed decision making. Um, one of the other common complaints that we've heard is that quite a few people say their buildings are smart um, by their own very particular and personal standards for it. So having uh, an objective, dispassionate um, criteria that can rate you against the global best-in-class standards um, can allow for a much more meaningful conversation with uh, with JV partners, with other general investors, and also most importantly, um, with the uh, with the tenants who are going to be moving into your building. Um, no longer can just shouting, we've got the smartest building around, um, get away with um, what you're really trying to do with your with your marketing efforts. And I know you with the, the new certification that, 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 that you've um, developed, you've, you've made sure that it sort of fits in with some of the other certifications out there. Um, clearly your, your own as a, as a Wirescore um, certification, but Well and Briam and, and all those sort of, sort of things, which I, I think is important, isn't it? Because there are so many boxes to tick out there. And if they're all doing different, different things, how can we really be focused on driving the industry through this transformation? Yeah, I, absolutely. It was one of the most important things to us that throughout the process, we tried to help um, build and support and work within the ecosystems that already exist, rather than creating uh, an entirely new structure. So so having crosswalks and alignment with the other big certifications was, was really important. Also fitting in with the um, organisations around the world who have been thinking about this and working on this has meant that we've been able to draw from the best of their knowledge uh, and also share knowledge with them. So hopefully that they can help push us towards the, the smarter future. Um, we don't want a, a closed ecosystem where there's only one um, set of people who are allowed to talk to. We want everyone to be able to communicate together effectively um, using the same framework. And it seems like a, a much more effective way of, of working. Uh, you know, this goes back to a question, Sam, I think you first asked me about five years ago about wide score, which is, are we disruptors? Um, and the answer to that is no, we're not trying to be. We're trying to enable um, wider communities. Does that mean that we're undoubtedly going to annoy people because we're going to point out that practices we're seeing in the past aren't particularly good? Sure. And, you know, we have to do that as an objective organisation. That doesn't mean that we're working to try to disempower other groups. It means that we're really trying to empower the whole ecosystem. I'm a big fan of annoying people, William, so that, that's all right. It's uh, part, part of the day job. Um, now, with running the risk of sounding like a complete idiot yes. why does any of this matter like why do we why do we need buildings to be to be smart sally okay well i guess uh, i was asked this uh, i think i did something for um wild scored uh, a couple of weeks ago and i think it, it's difficult to imagine in this in this incredibly technologically i can say that technologically enabled world that the built environment can just sort of uh, carry on as as before and that you won't want the same kind of technological innovation support that you get in your daily life. So I just look at it that simple way is that, you know, and also particularly post in the, in the post pandemic world where people have seen that there's other places they can work. 
if you to want to go into a building and be there, you want it to bring all the best of tech, the technology you have elsewhere in your life. Now you have to do it sensibly, but um, I just think it's inconscionable that, that that it wouldn't be. So there's all things around it. Um, you know, we look at it in three ways, which is about the experience you give people, all the things you read about from being able to book things online, get into the building, um, see what, um, you know, if the air quality is good, you know, um, are, are the restaurants full, uh, then it's in making the building really efficient because sustainability is so important to people these days. It's important to co um, companies also to their employees, really, really important. So you want to know that the building you're in is sustainable. And the last thing I think is that um, it's also really important to understand how your building's being used, both as an occupier and as a landlord, so that you can make the experience better for people. So it's a slightly different blend of I think what what Wired scored have in their uh, their benefits, but we think of those three big buckets of how technology helps us deliver much better real estate for people. So I just think that you can't imagine you're building without technology. I completely agree with, with Sally, and I think she picks up on one of my, my favourite points, which is just if you look at the amount of technology and personalisation and ability to use data that we have in our personal lives, it's remarkable like that. That's been a revolution in the last decade. Um, you know, some of the things that we can do now would have only been conceived of as magic, like a really short period of time ago. But so little of that has bled into the office environment. And, and into the way that most of us work. So we go from this sort of sparkly, magical personal life into like a slightly mundane professional life. And, and real estate has got a wonderful part that it can play in that by, by bringing some of those enormous benefits um, across the 24 hours of our day rather than clustered into, you know, into our commute in the period of time that we have at home. Um, and how easy is that for, for all um, property owners because you know I I couldn't see anyone developing a new building that wasn't smart that wasn't net zero you know that didn't think about the world that we want to create but we you know we all know that what is it 90% of our buildings are already already built and you know we live in a, a country that has a um, a great history and great architecture and and these you know fantastic aged buildings that we still want to want to use how you know can we make them smart or is this just for the 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 new the young the fancy free do you want to take that one or should i <laughs> why don't i do a little bit of it and you can do the rest um firstly sam i'll just challenge you that um all new buildings are smart because they're absolutely not um the uh, variety um, of buildings that we see is is remarkable and there is not a situation where everyone has a sensible understanding of what people want, either maybe because they put in too much technology without thinking about the end user um, or more likely that they just haven't um, tried to go down the process of working out what's needed and have, uh, have underbated building a little bit. Um, but, you know, I, I'd say um, of the... Um, of the buildings that we've got in our launch, we've got 70 buildings, which, which include some as small as 16,000 square feet. So you can take, you know, buildings that aren't absolutely, you know, enormous monoliths, um, but buildings that have been really well maintained and well thought through. And it's the intentionality behind that um, as a landlord that can get you um, an awful lot of the way. Does that mean that that's going to be um, as, as smart uh, as, some of the, the newest buildings coming out of the ground? You know, possibly not, but it 
still means you can deliver that phenomenal and inspirational user experience. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, I agree, and I think I think that what you it is easier in a new building, obviously, because you can you can just start from scratch. But the only thing I would say is that you know the biggest buildings like 100 Liverpool Street, you know, the from start to finish is sometimes 10 years. So, you know, think about what's happened in the last 10 years. And, uh, you know, some of the issues we've had is some of the stuff we conceived five years ago is now different. So we've had a couple of things we've had to go back and change. It has cost us a bit of money. So um, that that's the first point to make. But I think that on older buildings, you are starting to see technologies start to emerge, which helps you retrofit buildings. Um, uh, more easily and and the last point i would say is that um, we've used some simple um, metering technology in our buildings for example in the last i don't know 10 years and we've achieved a 55 percent reduction in landlord energy consumption so you know there's a lot of stuff you can do with existing technologies and the more you can use um, iot and connect them through wi-fi i guess the less you need to have kind of real physical in infrastructure in the building so i think i'm quite hopeful that you'll be able to do quite a lot but will an old building be able to perform as well as a new building it probably can't it's like houses isn't it? you can build a new house which is you know uses very little energy but an old house is going to be incredibly difficult unless you spend an awful lot of money on it which you can't justify i don't think yeah yeah excellent and then you know, smart sound, sounds great and we've talked a lot about you know the, the benefits of smart but there are there are clearly challenges that that come along with every every new innovation and you know smart means there's a whole lot of data being collected does doesn't it and and there will be people out there who don't like that data being collected on them and we'll have um you know sort of serious issues around privacy we know that hackers are getting smarter and and smarter so um you know how do we how do we deal with those those challenges and and you know do do people need to be concerned about smart as well as excited by it I think people need to be to be conscious here and I'll divide the questions that you raise really in, into two two different groups one is about um informed consent um, for, for data collection for good uses. And then the second is about potential nefarious uses and how to counter against them. So um, I'm um, part of the, the Red Foundation um, with Dan Hughes, and I really believe in their data ethics principles because what they're advocating is, is relatively common sense, but they're the kind of steps which um, landlords should think about because it's gonna stop them making a mistake by believing that they are just a property company and they're not also a data company, which which of course they, they now are. And so working out the manner and the way in which you let people know and if necessary, you ask for their permission um, when you start collecting um, any kind of information on them um, in a building um, is incredibly important. And it's something that all landlords will need to, to get their heads around a, a thing that's that's important to them. Um, you know, one of our, our sections, um, within SmartScore um, is on data sharing and on governance. And th those two pieces are both incredibly important to, to think through and actually have a strategy uh, about. When we talk about collecting data on people, you know, previously you might think about, you know, we you know, we got their fingerprint or we we got their you know, their name and their photo when they came into the building. But, it, but it's much, much more than that because we're collecting data on people constantly. And so every type of data that we collect, we need to be mindful. Do we need to 
collect this? Are we storing it securely? Um, and are we deleting it at an appropriate moment when it is no longer of relevance to the building? Um, then the second set of things is guarding against nefarious purposes. And there are there are cybersecurity risks with poorly implemented smart buildings. Um, and we need to be very mindful of this and very conscious of this. It will be a challenge that everyone needs to, to deal with at, at a point where lots of your systems, the critical life support systems of a building, um, are, are digital and therefore necessarily can be hacked. You know, broadly, everything can be hacked, and we must do as much as we can to, to guard against that. So it's a new set of responsibilities and challenges um, for, for the property world, but I think it's one the property world can can rise to if it, if it focuses on it and really does care about it. Can you rise to it, Sally? <laughs> I, I, I haven't got a lot to, to add to what William said, but I think that, you know, for someone like us is that we're going to be using a lot of different people to supply this stuff. I mean, and a lot of the times it's not actually us. For example, we will, we're going uh, we're using an external company to do the user engagement platform. So we have to make sure that all those people will comply with a set of standards really really important and we have some quite rigorous standards internally to make sure that the people we're using comply with those standards so i think it's you know really really complicated and i'm not entirely sure that people in real estate really get data security yet because from what i know inside our own business we're constantly fighting with people to say you know you need to make sure you comply with these and then they complain about the length of time it takes us to um uh, to agree to getting a certain supplier on board and then how everything's connected you know everything is connected to make sure that the tech team can connect all the bits that are that people put into the building and that people see it as one seamless kind of piece of tech so um i think there's more work to done to be done but i think it's great that there's people like you know wired scored and others who can make sure that companies understand the importance because it's as much as about you selling that internally in your organization to tell them why you're being a pain in the neck about data security and um and that you need to have things about you know are you going to have biometrics or how are you going to collect data what do you think's okay and that, that the companies have a view about that they don't just let it happen to themselves so one one of the biggest or most popular um points of conversation that comes up whenever I'm talking to anyone around anything technological in in real estate at the moment is that there is a skills gap within it, within real estate because there's so much to to learn and there are you know there are a lot of people that know their stuff but they're often not attracted to the real estate industry so how do we I guess how do we bridge that gap and do, is the is the certification, William, a, a step towards that, you know, that do you feel a responsibility to educate through the certification as well and sort of help the industry on that path to, to getting that talent in and, and filling that gap? I, I think I think small school can help landlords uh, understand why this is important. But very honestly, it's not going to help bridge the skills gap. It, it might bridge the demand skills from the property companies but i think more needs to be done by the industry generally um, to, to really make this an attractive place to come and be a data orientated person who is focused on bringing some of the best from other industries into this industry and, and making this a, an attractive place to work in, in that regard is is going to going to be quite an effort because 
while real estate certainly improved its image, it doesn't have the image of being where you want to go if you're if you're a technologist. Yeah, I, I what I really like about some of the we got feedback here the documents that that Wise Court have produced is it allows people within British land, you know, the, uh, what I call, you know, the asset managers and the leasing managers to kind of really understand better. And in fact, the leasing managers in British land are some of the greatest exponents of smart because they see what they're what the um what the occupiers want so therefore they're they're very keen but i absolutely agree in itself it can't bridge the skills gap and it has to be seen as more of a sort of technologically advanced front-footed industry for people to want to come and work in it still yeah still some work to do there but with progress is being being made and uh, i'm sure conversations like this help don't they and they get out further and wider and hopefully more people hear about the exciting things that can be done in in real estate um so last few questions um around smart and i, I guess the big one is who is who is driving this is it you know is it um innovative um, developers like British land? Is it um, the occupiers? Is it the the techies coming in and saying, oh, you really need to put this in your in your building. It'll make it'll make everything. It might cost you a bit up front, but we'll save you save you money. Where's the where's the pressure coming from? I I think one one thing well, so generally, I think it's wonderful that the pressure is coming from lots of different areas, um, but it's coming in relatively isolated pockets. One of the things I was most amused when we we put together the Wild School Smart Council and started doing these thousands of hours of conversations, um, particularly with tenants, was when you asked the tenant, do you want a smart building? Um, the answer was like, nah, like kind of sure, like it seems like a good idea. But then when you started describing the outcomes that a user gets from a smart building, you know, individual and collaborative productivity, you know, um, health and wellness, sustainability, maintenance, normalization, community and services. They're like, yeah, those things sound great. That's exactly what I'm after. They're the things I'm constantly looking for and asking for. So I think I think understanding if everyone is pushing for the same word, no, but are people pushing for the same outcome in the end? Yes, they absolutely are. And trying to find the right language to articulate what you're talking about to different groups is incredibly important because unless you get that, you get these gloriously blank stares coming back but if you do manage to evidence in the right way why this is going to make uh, an office a more attractive place to entice workers who could otherwise just be at home working from home as we, we now know post-pandemic is possible you manage to articulate those kind of outcomes then you get really excited tenants who, who are definitely willing to to, to um, focus and, and ultimately pay more for those spaces but, but you do have to get the right language so why call it smart score? Um, because outcome score didn't really have the same. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Sally, would, would that fit with you as well? Is, is, it, is it kind of coming from the tenants, but if you use the right language? Um, well, I actually think the, um, in many ways it started with, with us because, uh, again, if you, a few years ago, we sat back and we looked at the impact of technology. And we again, we just thought that it was just inconscionable that it, that you wouldn't be you wouldn't need to provide the same kind of products and services in a building that people were getting increasingly outside. So we took the step that we were going to do it ahead of our occupiers asking for it, and that was quite a, you know, I, I guess it's it's a bold move, but also it, it was a bit scary. But now, you know, now that we've got the new buildings coming out the ground, and and you can see people wanting it. 
But in many respects, I would say you've got a few very forward looking occupiers, like we announced last week that JLL was doing a prelet at uh, one Broadgate. And they're very forward looking in terms of what they want that building to do. And then others you're having to describe to them what the benefit they can get. So in 100 Liverpool Street, we've said this is a smart enable building. If you do X and Y, this is what you can get. But that's been a much slower conversation. But I think it would it will gather steam. Um, it, it's a bit like other things. Once it becomes popular, then more people want it. But the thing I think is an issue is that it's such a complicated thing to deliver. And therefore, you need to have lots of different things aligned. So I sort of fear it will take longer than we think to kind of become more prevalent, more ubiquitous in the industry. But, you know, I, I hope that it's quicker than that. But I fear that it might be a bit slower. And that doesn't mean we shouldn't keep pushing, I suppose, just because it's going to take a little longer than we hoped. Yeah, yeah. And I think in the in the, in the newer buildings, it, it's a bit easier. And when you do when you do the big prelets, I mean, we would expect the other prelets we might do on our other developments again to be very forward looking occupiers who who kind of understand and they push us to put stuff in building because JLL, I guess, sustainability is at the forefront of their mind. So they really want that building to be super sustainable and smart is a key part in delivering that. And I always have one one question around smart and sustainability, because I get it because you can monitor. Yes. But there's obviously tech requires quite a lot of energy. It, it yes. requires all that data storage. Data storage is quite a um, carbon intensive um, business, I suppose. So how do those two things marry up or how do they how do they sit? And, you know, is can tech really be, you know, environmentally friendly? I guess it's got to be, doesn't it? Like everything else, they'll have to find ways of using green energy. I mean, I did, I did hear something. I can't remember who it was who says they're now storing their data up, sort of, uh, you know, in in Scandinavia somewhere where all the energy is produced by um, hydroelectric. But I think you've got to do other stuff. So with us, when we are buying, um, you know, green energy. Uh, you've got to buy it from really sustainable sources and you've got to invest in new sustainability. You know, you can't just buy stuff off the grid necessary that already exists. So I think it's incumbent on those, uh, um, you know, Amazons, Excel, all the people who we store our data with are going to have to be um, greener. And will, I mean, I'm sure they've made some kind of um, statements about that anyway, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, no, they have. But yeah, it's a, it's all this whole circular um economy and 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 system that we need to think think about isn't it yeah and we need to think about it as well absolutely absolutely and so then i guess just to just to close um william what's the what's the ambition for for smart score where do you want to take it to and what do you what do you hope that it's going to deliver to the to the built environment I, I mean i think i would be an unbelievably happy man if in in five years everyone who talks about smart is talking about the the end user of the building and they're talking about outcomes that can be delivered for that. I think if we can help shape the conversation about what is really, really important, um, we'll be in a in a wonderful place. You know, looking at the um the analogy of Wild School, which launched five and a bit years ago, I'm in the UK, we're now at the place where 50% of all developments uh, in London are are certified. And about about 16 or 17 percent of the whole London office stock, um, or including all the existing buildings, are certified. As Sally said, I think it will take it will take time for for smart to to catch up. But if we can help show a pathway to smart 
and help the best smart buildings um, in, in the country and in the world um, show themselves off most effectively so they get the rewards that they deserve um, would be absolutely delighted. Fantastic. Sally, William, thank you for a very intelligent conversation on smart buildings. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of the EG Property Podcast. We hope you found the content insightful and helpful. If you'd like more of the same and to keep up with all the latest news, views, analysis and research that the EG Group has to provide, be sure to sign up to all of our property podcasts and subscribe to Radius Data Exchange for unlimited access to all of our content and comprehensive commercial real estate data.